0: hey what's up everybody if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months you've heard all about the game time app and how you can save some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports concerts and all types of shows we've talked about how you can get just about everything like i said shows concerts sports more than just tickets to the blue jays when they're in season talking raptors leafs concerts broadway type stuff all across toronto anywhere every market well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, and then under the Billing section, redeem code the Athletic, all one word. Once again, that's the Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year, so December 31st, 2019. So move quick and score some last minute tickets. Hey, what's going on? Breeze, have a good day, and welcome to a very special edition of Birds All Day. We had this whole thing planned out. Just like everybody else at your job, and almost every job, the last week or so before the holidays is just like, put a big greasy stamp on it, just mailing the whole thing in. And that was our plan. My name is Drew Ferris, there was our, being myself and uh, and my co-host, the person who joins me, uh, he joins me as always.
1: Uh, old Reliable.
0: Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you?
1: I, I'm, I'm well. I'm well.
0: So you're well. I'm glad you're well. So our plan, and we had worked this out, was like we were going to do the ultimate mail it and We had a clip show.
1: <laughs> All planned. more out. work than, than like our regular show now at this point.
0: It's like when people <laughs> decry listicles online. They're like, oh, listicles are so cheap and cheesy, such a corny way. They end up being so much more work than anything yeah. else and trust me go back and never mind we uh, that this this was the thing we talked about we didn't talk about with caitlin was about reading those old columns from the 90s we were talking about lack of effort but anyway (laughs) the clip show was us mailing it in we we what we decided to do i know that uh, if you remember when we talked so we had a great year this was our first year at the athletic and it's been a great year and we we did things a little bit differently and we got a bit of a you know a bit of a jolt of life and we've had we've been amazing and been lucky with tyler a producer to um organize us and to help to leverage the brand and to just kind of use the context of whatever that we got to have lots of fun people on the show this year. Um, People that we got to know and had on multiple times like you know like Caitlin McGrath and the Zoobs and Alexis Brudnicki and everybody else. We also had like, like Alex Anthopoulos. We had Mark Shapiro. We had Ross Atkins. So we had a lot of fun with those clips and when we or with those shows and then when we had Mark Shapiro on we, we talked to him, and then, if you recall, if you've heard that episode, if you haven't, if this is your first time, welcome. Go back and listen to some of those ones as well, because they're a lot of fun. But after we talked to Mark Shapiro, we, Stone and I sort of, like, talked it over. We talked about the interview, what we thought, how we would have done things differently, whatever. So what we did with some of the clips from Alex Anthopoulos, for example, from Ross Atkins was we did that we played the clips back and then Stone and I sort of bantered about and talked over those interviews which I thought was really interesting and it was great and then we kind of had it in the can and then we said oh let's just wait and then we'll maybe just do a little bit maybe add a couple more clips cuz we were worried it might be might be a little bit short and then all this news broke <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. of all the time for these the, the the Blue Jays front office to like kick it into gear it was when we're trying to do nothing yeah <laughs> and our plan has backfired. Our plan has backfired significantly. But none of that matters. All of that is, is uh, what's the word? I don't know. A prologue to this. We're here talking about the very active Toronto Blue Jays, who have signed, who have strengthened their pitching depths uh, since last we spoke because they signed uh, Shon Yamaguchi from Japan. From the uh, Yomiuri Giants, is that right?
1: Indeed, it is. Yes, it uh, is huge, huge signing. Love, love seeing huge them signing. get into the the international market that way.
2: Mm-hmm. A
0: guy with some great numbers. A guy, I don't know, he won the ERA <laughs> title or something. A, a, a role that is maybe not necessarily defined with the Blue Jays as of yet could be a swingman, could be a starter, could be both. Um, and we were like, okay, that's cool. We talked about that. Uh, we could talk about that, and then of course the Blue Jays signed Travis Shaw, which was. Um seemed a little inevitable at, at one point or another. a uh, guy with a lot of positional flexibility. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Guy with a lot <laughs> of positional flexibility. Guy who uh you know is able to do a lot of things, guy looking maybe a bit of a bounce back candidate. Again, Trevor Shaw had uh, two years in two years previous in Milwaukee, uh 2017, 2018, was like a seven win guy. He can hit left-handed, got some power. And then he was like replacement level awful, brand jury-esque last year. So, yeah. all right, that's cool. All makes sense. It all adds up.
1: Yeah, we it, and it, then, it, hmm? I mean, what? Yeah, like, no. what well, we, yeah, no, and we. Well, well we could have just run the clip show still with Travis Shaw and.
0: and yeah, Travis yeah, Shaw was yeah. not getting me out of bed. Like I am, with the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the with the Christy Turlington or whatever that I don't get out of bed for less than <laughs> I don't get out of bed for Travis Shaw. Like let's be real. But then, <laughs> speaking of getting out of bed, last night when I was fast asleep, which is odd because I usually go to bed much later. Uh, the Blue Jays signed Hyun Jin Ryu, formerly of the Dodgers, to a four-year, $80 million contract. What? That's wild. It's very exciting. The financial flexibility, gone. Wow. The risk aversion, apparently gone, because rather than, uh, <laughs> the safety first, the Blue Jays have signed, like, very, very, very risky free agent. All caution thrown to the wind. But uh, it's gotten a lot of people excited because at least, at at least, they're trying. That's the worst thing you could say about this deal. They're trying. I'm sure, Stoughton, you have more to say than they're trying uh, when it comes to signing Hyunjin Ryu. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, it's bigger than than the... uh, than the actual deal, like the, the what it what it means and what it signals to the fans, and I, I don't think it's a deal that they've made, you know, just to to get the fans off their backs or to look like they've done something. Like I think there there's uh, mm-hmm. you know obvious need for the for frontline pitching on the team, and when Ryu's healthy, he's you know an elite pitcher, even though he even though he's not a guy you know not a big velocity guy or anything. Uh When he's healthy, is you know the the question. He made twenty nine starts uh, this season, but. uh previous to that has, uh, <laughs> has had some problems staying on the field. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, the it, it just, it, it changed the narrative of so many things about this front office very quickly. Uh, because mm-hmm. yeah, there, there is no risk aversion there. Uh, as you say, it's, uh, it's a risky one, you know, it, there's, it's, you know, it's genuinely like, yeah, pencil him in for opening day. Obviously he's the best starter on the team, but that's, you know, hope he's, hope he's healthy. Uh, I, which is not to you know to be all too doom and gloom about it because it's fucking awesome. It's like you know he's a he's a fun guy. I don't mean, know if, if people have read Molly Knight's piece on him and uh, gave, he gave she gave him a nice send off uh, after watching him with the Dodgers for years and and uh, uh, just a, an easy player to root for. Uh, you know. Uh, just uh, there's not much you can say that is bad about Ryu, other than the health stuff and the fact that the Dodgers were scared off and and were not willing to go to four years. You know that's that's perhaps telling, but also you know the blue, it's perfect opportunity for the Blue Jays and it's the kind of thing that we've been you know saying and they've been saying that they should do for a long time and it looked like they weren't going to do and it's uh, uh, it, it is it's very nice that they've done it and you know there would have been risks with. All sorts of guys, right? I mean, every free agent comes with risk. I mean, mm-hmm. probably feel pretty good if you're the Yankees and Cole. But, the, but that's, the risk is baked into the price, too. And the fact that, you know, the Jays are going to four years, yeah. But the fourth year is going to be the first arbitration year for, you know, Bo and Kevin Biggio. It's not like the team's payroll has to be – is going to be like – Extremely hefty by then. It's not like if he's bad in year four or even in year three. It's not. I don't know. It's it. It's not going to kill him, especially because it's only twenty million dollars. And and in baseball today, that is uh, uh, that's not a ton. Even you know, it's a no, lot, it's, obviously. It's, but it, yeah, it's a lot it's, of
0: it's a lot of real world dollars. And yeah. the, the sticker shock from a team that does not have a reputation for signing big deals like this. Is this not the biggest free agent deal they've ever
1: shelled out? What did what did the second biggest is it just. Martin his was like eighty-two point five or something like that. Something like, that. Yeah, but they paid, but they paid like forty million combined to Tulawitzki, Martin, and Morales last year to not play for them. Right? Uh, I mean, it didn't, it, mm-hmm. it didn't really help them on the field, per se. You know, it was obviously a dog shit <laughs> year. Well, let's, but, you know, they can handle. I think it. that's the
0: big. Let's let's bring that the conversation back to that. Then on the field, mm-hmm. what does it mean that they have signed? Ryu. It means a. They have. He's their best starter. Um, mm-hmm. He is a, not a typical 2019 starter. It's going to be quite the contrast um, between he and uh, you know Nate Pearson. Should should Pearson make a, an appearance in the big leagues this year? I feel like he might. Um, mm-hmm. He's probably going to, ev- in some ways, evoke memories of uh, Mark Burley. He's like a better Mark Burley in a way because he's left-handed, because he's really good at holding runners, doesn't throw very hard, great change-up. Uh, a little on the guys, thick side so.
1: hmm? <laughs> yeah doesn't but walk guys yeah
0: yeah doesn't walk guys uh but Mark Burley of course just takes took the ball every day for 15 years well yeah uh, Ryu is, has struggled at times he missed all of 2015 um and uh, most of 2016 I believe uh with injuries but uh the dollars are not that scary, but. Uh, again if you look focus bring the folks back to the back to the ball club so again this was a team that that Mark Shapiro and the, and and friends will point to was in the neighborhood of being 500 i guess in the time that uh i don't know when when, when uh Bichette came up and they believe that this is a step forward for a team that wants to get better and there's no a shocking uh high level i don't i don't know what book they read this in but yeah uh, if you want your team to get her to to get better, <laughs> sign better players, and yeah. that's what they did. They were like, "Oh, we got some better players to make our team better." Um, you know, again, if if you look at the Blue Jays' rotation and the pitching depth that they have, it's uh, getting to the point where you could be like, "Okay, that's good," um, because there are lots of guys who can do lots of jobs, guys who have either proven themselves as big league uh, big league starters or or big league pitchers or who are uh, short track records of success in terms of being able to be fine. Uh, but the thing that you don't see right now is like a lot of the ceiling other than it Pearson. All right. So if, if a lot of this hinges on him, where if, if Pearson comes up then he's now the guy who's pushing the ceiling up where you've got, you know, your Ryus and shoemakers and Chase Anderson's and Tanner Rourke's and whoever, like it, if you're like, Oh, I don't know who, maybe Dan Shulman was like, he listed the sort of pitching stuff. He's like, uh oh, could that team compete for uh no, it wasn't. It wasn't Dan Schulman, It was uh, Josh Goldberg. He was like, "Could this team compete for a wild card?" And the answer to that is no. Uh, like with Re, well, as soon as you see Rourke uh, slotted in as like, your number two starter, it's like, "No, <laughs> that team's not getting the wild card sniff." But they're that's a they're, they've now made a big step because everybody else slides down one, and it means that many fewer starts for the Chase, the Clay Buckholzes and the God I got grim last year, Edwin Jackson, and all that little stuff. That means yeah. fewer times you're you're having to rely on the starter or the opener, which effective as it might be, um you know, if you're using the same guy all year round, you're gonna burn those guys out. There's gonna be a lot of you know, those guys are that's just the nature of the game, right? Nature of the beast. So on the field it means a lot. Um, are you I mean, there are again, there there is risk. There's risk that because you're signing a guy who maybe projects as like a three or four win pitcher that There's not a lot of uh, room to fall off as the decline kicks in. But then it's, again, like you said, don't only, only, air quote, only four years. Air quote, only $80 million. (laughs) So if he's a three- or four-win guy this year and then a three- or four-win guy next year, you're laughing for the most part, right? You're kind of already ahead of the game when you get to that stage.
1: I think so. I mean, Jesus, was Tanner Roark going to start on opening day? I mean, this is... This is much better. Wilmer uh, Font,
0: and, the opener the opener on like, opening day. And, opening and, and day, like, building's <laughs> full, the crowd is whipped into a frenzy, and Wilmer Font comes in, faces two guys, and then in trots somebody else. <laughs>
1: like it, cer- it certainly makes me think that Pearson is perhaps going to – maybe that's uh, Jonah Birnbaum's tweet about Chris Paddock and and uh, and you know how the Padres did the right thing and just brought him up at the start of last year. But it makes me think that Pearson may be closer than – you know, anybody thought he certainly was closer to triple a than I thought. I didn't think he'd even see triple a last year, but you know, he can. you know, he's one of those guys who can hang and maybe it's the old Alex Anthopolis Anthopolis thing. Like, Oh, you only got so many bullets anyway. So bring him up. And then, and then that rotation starts to look interesting, especially because, you know, you move another guy out of the rotation and, and you have font who did well as an opener. You have uh, Trent Thornton who, you know, may not have a, a, a starting gig, but can certainly, you know, the, the, back three or four or back two or three guys in the rotation can can have a lot of help out of the bullpen uh especially if you have multi-inning guys like like him like Baraki who could probably do that like you know those guys who are the depth that they've been building for the last few years and, and we've seen in Buffalo i mean i don't know like look at look at the rays and how the you know how many guys are full on starters there and what and they kind of just uh, die must die well, I Why apologize.
0: you guys? We were having a nice conversation. Here. So you've gone. <laughs> uh, no, but you're right. And, and but I, but I, they do. I
1: mean, they have. They have. You know, they have their Snells and their Mortons and 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 you know whoever else is healthy when they're healthy. And then mm. you know a couple turns a week. They uh, they're just cobbling it together. But if you have decent enough guys to do that, then I don't know. It's, I think it, it's interesting. It's still the fourth best rotation in the division. But mm.
0: that's true. Well, I do like the idea of of just having not just like depth, but options. Options for guys who who could be the bulk guy. If if you are say it's Wilmer Font one day, and then whoever else they they end up you know running out there as an opener. If you can have you know Yamaguchi and Baraki and Trent Thornton, as like oh well, at least if you, you you're not relying on the same bulk guy, you're not relying on bulk guy with no ceiling at all. It's just sort of whoever and like just pray you can they can drag their carcass through the fourth or fifth inning whatever it is number one you're gonna win more ball games with more with again with better players number two by having an actual rotation of actual starters it is that much more of like a better aesthetic product as well oh because God, it's like yeah. who's starting tonight a starting pitcher <laughs> i hope he can get 15 fucking outs because he and then you've got all those guys instead of just being like this is going to be an interminable slog of pitching changes <laughs> one one garbage <laughs> pile after another which it's that and, and that the, wasn't just had, like, like
1: that, hmm? that wasn't just jaded fans saying that last year that was the fucking manager was like yeah we don't, <laughs> we don't have anybody I don't know So it's going to be a guy and then another guy I you know what can I tell you like Jesus so yeah aesthetically it's huge and then you know you hope that. You you know you're closer. You're you're just you're closer, and I think that's a thing that people who've been kind of getting caught up in the the David Price stuff. I've seen a lot of that online because that was sort of I don't know if mm-hmm. that was gamesmanship. I saw Scott Mitchell at TSN tweeted like, no, there's maybe legit legs to it. They've been talking since November. That was a thing. You know, I I don't see that. I kind of see it as just you know it's a step in the right direction, and they understand that it it would it would have been too much next winter to try to make themselves you know give themselves a total makeover into a contender and spend go out and spend a ton of money so now they've sort of you know offset uh that by adding a piece who's going to ideally be a big part of of 2021 and 2022 as well. Uh you know like you say it's a there there is an aging curve in play at play though he's a guy who you know like Mark Burley doesn't rely on uh velocity so maybe that helps him it uh, certainly didn't help his shoulder from not blowing up, but uh, mm-hmm. but it maybe helps him from uh, it helps him uh, beat the aging curve a little bit. Though you know the margin for error is still still thin, I'm sure when uh, when it comes to uh, you know his stuff. But uh, but you know he's a guy who you can ex- rightly expect to be a very good starter for you in 2021, which means that that's one fewer very good starter you need to get next winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is when you really think you're you're going to start to really push. And I think that this is, you know, it's not the Blue Jays saying, hey, we're going for it this year. I think it's the Blue Jays saying, hey, we're, you know, trying to take steps and take opportunities to make ourselves a better team, not just this year, but multiple years into the future.
0: We want uh, to make ourselves a better team, full stop. So let's yeah. do it. and And yeah, it doesn't have to be the single stepping stone towards a championship if it means that... This year, or, or sorry, next year, they signed James Paxton, which is the name that we're, we're going to start to hear a ton of. Uh, Blue Jays mm-hmm. fans are going to, A, because he's very good, and then Got B, that because that Maple he's,
1: Leaf tattoo.
0: There you go. In he comes. <laughs> but again, a, a guy with a bit of a higher ceiling. Um, but just an option. But but again, you if you want to make the team better, you can't do it all in once. You can't do it all in one fell swoop. So yeah. there are opportunities now. The David Price thing uh, is interesting. I had somebody say that Tatum because I was like, hell yeah, David Price because I a I think David Price is um people are have forgotten even even he's in his good. slightly diminished form you're right he's still good yeah but also yeah. um there's a lot of emotion and sentiment attached to that he seemed to genuinely enjoy his time here it was easy because they won every fucking night who wasn't having fun then but uh he seems to he uh, to me he's an easy guy to root for he got the race sure. stink off him like he so easily
1: <laughs>
0: yeah but no, then the, I, I, then now there are those concerns, like oh well, if you give if you if you're if you're just do, allowing the the Red Sox to dump your sal dump salary on you because you've got that flexibility, does then that prevent you from making those moves next in the next year because because you, again you're trying to build maybe build some higher ceiling you need to be able to go toe to toe with some of these teams that are running out you know Garrett Cole and then who else is in the Yankees rotation BTW <laughs> not well Severino I guess he's okay um, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah I don't know it's just um, (laughs) uh, there's a lot to like about the deal now maybe what's the other side what are the things that maybe are the concerns about this signing uh, Hyunjin Ryu I
1: you know it's the health obviously I mean that's all I like it do I I, I, people love to uh, uh, to make a big deal of like switching leagues it's like oh he's pitching in the AL East now it's you know it's Mm -hmm. like okay well you know his ERA may not look the same like but that's why like park and league-adjusted stats exist. So, you know, it's not like pitching in Dodger Stadium. I mean, he, uh, uh, you know, uh, Colorado's in that fucking division as well. And Arizona's Mm -hmm. not exactly, uh, you know. And I think people have a weird uh, holdover from the mid-2000s of, you know, oh, you can't go to the AL East because, you know, those two teams with, like, like 400% of more – uh, payroll than other teams. And it's, that's, you know, that's just, that's not the case. I think that the, the parody has happened because, you know, as we talk about seemingly every week and I, we I wish I didn't bring it up right now, but I am, uh, you know, the luxury tax is a de facto salary cap. So there's no, there's no growth in payroll, uh, at the top. It's all coming from the bottom. So teams are all uh, a little closer to each other, even though, uh, you know, last year it sure didn't fucking feel like it. And uh, you know uh, uh, the AL East not the best division in baseball right now. I wouldn't think. Um, no, but there. But you and,
0: are correct in that there are two teams that spend two and at, at to the luxury tax yes. and over. There is the team that is the uh, the living lab for the other teams looking to shed payroll, which <laughs> has yeah. uh, you know have had has some success, inexplicable and in otherwise. Um, there is the thing about leaving the NL West or, or 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 Ryu in particular is that he played on the Dodgers and thus never had to face the Dodgers. They're Indeed. obviously the class yes. of that division, having won six division titles in a row. Uh the the Giants spend a lot of money, but they don't spend it uh, on good offensive players. If you've watched the Giants over the last couple of years you can recognize <laughs> that. The team um, the
1: team that was led in every category by Kevin Villar, are you sure?
0: Yes, that is the and then <laughs> who would then probably DFA'd. Uh, yeah. but yeah like <laughs> I go both ways. I, I'm not. I, I don't think I have a day like going changing leagues is 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 not nothing because, but it's it's not as big as we we once did. I do the thing you, you when I look at Ryu, it's like okay, uh, he has the best. Ch- the things that make him good are though the 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 earmarks of a good pitcher, um, and his former mm-hmm. teammate Clayton Kershaw is 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 exactly this where. He, yes, his strikeout numbers are good. Yes, he throws, he's he's really nasty. Uh, Kershaw, but he does so many other things really well. And like, again, holds runners and just has a really high strand rate. And that's one thing, if you look, I, I noticed uh, with, with Ryu is like, he doesn't allow a lot of the base runners that do get on to score. Um, that could be because he's left-handed. And again, if you talk want to talk about Burley, limiting running game, um, that maybe there are concerns about moving not only to a division with some smaller ballparks, although I saw Eno Saris uh, of The Athletic here say that uh on a home run basis the Dodger Stadium that is actually friendlier for home runs than the Rogers Center has been um but you're going to a team with worse uh infield defense which is like a which is difficult to argue although maybe it will improve <laughs> next year if yeah. you get a full season of, of Bob Shett. and um if we have new you know uh Avengers uh, Marvel universe Vlad who's going to come looking like looking all r- cut up like uh, what's his name uh, uh, the guy from Silicon Valley, uh, all full of muscles and unexpectedly, oh, uh, uh, yeah. Kumail? Yeah. Kumail, Kumail, uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. But anyway, so that's going to be Vlad, and now he'll be a super a superstar at third base. And then you get a full season of Bichette instead of that defensive scrub Freddie Galvez. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. So, so I mean, and then again, there are always the concerns about the 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 razor thin margins that guys who are more of the soft tosser control guys. So that's to to reuse uh, credit. He's got a great command, um, great great change up. Ch- really hides his pitches well. Throws that really effective change up, and then batters just never know that it's coming. And it, he mm-hmm. he really can stymie particular right handed batters. I guess it, the change up is going to be really effective as a lefty. Uh, throwing uh, kind of down on the way to, to righties and keeping them off balance. So, I mean, there are health is the big one. There's a, like any pitcher who's alive in 2020 and 2019, you're always worried that somehow they're just going to start giving up home runs all the time and they'll never stop. Um, which mm-hmm. is my concern with like a guy like Tanner Rourke. It's like, well, the home. he's, uh, I've got myself convinced. So I tweeted something about now that they've <laughs> signed this and we can all just go back. We can all admit to each other that like the Rour- Rourke is bad, but I overreacted. But, I'm very worried about him giving up a million home runs. But anyway, what we're talking about for you, I don't know. <laughs> on, on the field, it makes the team better. In the minds of us, the, of, of the fans, it makes people more excited. And, uh, you know, those two things are never bad in com, in, in concert. If he has a couple mm-hmm. bad starts or he starts missing, you know, if he starts missing time, well, then the knives come out. And people will, you know, it'll be like an A.J. Burnett situation. Although I think we're maybe a bit smarter collectively than we were, during A.J. Burnett's heyday when he was a 500 starter and people didn't like him. But then it's like, well, wow, he was actually really quite good and had some really great seasons. And then he he was so bad that the smartest team, or the, the richest team in baseball, gave him $80 million and then they won a World Series with him. Like, it wasn't yeah. all bad. Yeah. But anyway, I it's don't know. It's, that. it's uh, it's it's exciting and it is uh, a great piece of news. It was a great way to wake up. I'm looking at my phone and all of a sudden I'm getting DMs like, oh, I can't believe they've done this.
1: Yeah, it was it was not as great to be like, just about done a mailbag that was all doom and mm. gloom, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, oh fuck! Well, throw out all that work. So uh, I, I've managed to salvage. Speaking of, you know, as we were talking off the top, how we're attempting to salvage our our clip show here with uh, uh, with this this fresh uh, fresh coat of banter. But uh,
0: do you have uh, any yeah, banter no, it, for it, Travis Shaw?
1: Should we? Uh, so, uh,
0: have we already bantered about Travis Shaw?
1: uh yeah i don't i don't know did we do it or not? i mean what what can you you know what can you say really other than you know bounce back candidate like hope he hits he used to hit Be nice mm-hmm. if he does Because uh, I don't need to see all that much of rowdy Tellez. uh Tellez, pardon me Because, um, yeah i i think that probably hurts rowdy's chances of playing a lot you know he's uh, uh they'll probably you know, ideally, ideally, they'll do something where we don't have to see Derek Fisher and Teosca Hernandez in center field. So maybe those guys will get some at bats at DH. They'll, they'll do a committee kind of thing there. I mm-hmm. so know everybody's like, "Go get Edwin, get Edwin and David Price," and we'll just we'll pretend that we're not going to despise you by the <laughs> by the end of the season when the whole thing goes tits up.
0: I think that. The Travis Shaw thing, obviously, or not obviously, I think the Travis Shaw thing puts an end to any Edwin Encarnacion hope, likely, likely, um, because Shaw is a guy who has a performed well at the big leagues and B, and as such, is going to get a, a more than his share of opportunities to prove that he cannot, he still cannot play there. I mean, this was a guy that got set down, I believe, last year at times. Yeah, um, he did. He was in the but like year. he's so he's going to get a he's going to get a shot and his playing time isn't going to come at third base um uh, especially if if they if we've finished the the kind of kid gloves corporal punishment approach of of making Vlad sit <laughs> every 3 days um yeah,
1: hopefully we're done that
0: so you know Shaw's going to play he's going to get a lot of time at first base might get some time at second as well and um and then the DH I mean, there's only just so many of those kind of dudes who are around being doodly I, again I my 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 stance on Teoscar Hernandez as well established at this point
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, there are lots of there are lots of uh, people that can be you know lots of excess weight that could be shed from the sinking ship to keep it afloat roster wise uh there there was some questions about that like given that um uh some other moves have to come
1: off the 40 40 man I guess yeah
0: so. like is it going to be Urania is it going to be uh
1: Bravik Valera, probably. Bravik Valera.
0: I feel like I can't help but but be Bravik Valera because um, I don't know him as well as I know the player that Richard Urania is. So um, if I'm making those decisions, it's going to be the guy who whose name is more difficult to pronounce.
1: Yeah, it depends. What I mean, it depends what you think of you know Hector Perez or mm. uh, Yancy Diaz. Those are other guys that are on there not sure not sure <laughs> they're uh, long for this roster either uh, Jonathan Davis another one So, you know kind of like some things that he can do uh, i saw somebody suggest Anthony Alford and was like shut your mouth <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, though, I, know, I am not i'm not sure that that's wrong but yeah
0: he is uh, still in that roster roster limbo so uh but in, in any event it's an exciting time and we don't want to get bogged down in the in the vagaries of the forty-man roster. That's my fault. I've opened that can of worms. But it's an exciting time because they just have, with this signing, with Rourke, with Ryu, with the Yamaguchi, with Anderson. They still have the uh, Anthony K Like there are a lot of viable pitchers at the very least. They're, they don't have Garrett Cole. They don't have, they didn't go trade for Zach Greinke against, you know. Well, a, they after. they have
1: Garrett Cole and Buffalo. Come on. let's. let's they have Garrett little Cole and Buffalo.
0: Of... There you go. <laughs> yeah. There are viable pitchers, guys, that, that they, the situation that they, they didn't even really have last year, you know, when they had Stroman, essentially. Yeah. Right? It looks
1: I mean, like if you're one of these players, it will be a much more fun, you know, work environment and, and team to play for than last year. You know, There's no like, doubt oh, you, actually, you actually You actually will have a, the feeling that you could win the ball game you're playing every day.
0: You're not just going to show up to the ballpark being like, who the fuck is even starting for our professional baseball team tonight? <laughs> They're all looking at each other like, who is this fucking guy? Uh, Strowman, interesting. Strowman was trending yesterday or this morning in Canada on mm-hmm. Twitter uh, because there, I guess, was some um, disbelief that that they would give? Why didn't they just give this money to Marcus Stroman? Was the question. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that, this asked. is well, and you, this and is you part, made a good this point is about Partly it.
1: my fault. This is partly my fault. Yeah, that tweet has got like a thousand likes on it. I don't, I don't have that footprint usually. Really? But uh, so maybe it was my fault that he was tro- uh, trolling, not, not trolling, trending. Uh, and I was, you know, I wasn't trying to troll or be weird, but yeah, like they basically repurposed the money they would have used on a Stroman extension, probably less. I don't think you would have got Strowman on a eighty million dollar four year extension. Maybe. Seems a little light. But uh yeah, they basically traded him for for you and for Woods Richardson, who uh, was number three on the most recent uh, baseball America uh top ten for the Blue Jays. Like he's mm-hmm. uh had a real fucking impressive year as a nineteen year old in high A. Anthony K looks like he is he among the uh the what I don't know the I don't remember the word you used, the, the capable or the the not total shit bag pitchers that they have who will, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure pitch some big leagues, big league innings this year, though, obviously uh, looked a whole lot more likely a couple weeks ago for him. Uh, and yet, you know, I mean, you weigh it out and, and as much as everybody likes Stroman or everybody who wasn't in the front office, like Stroman or isn't, you know, uh, a, a, a boomer Leafs fan. Um, you feel that that's a pretty good trade for them in the aggregate if you want to look at it that way. You could do worse. I mean, uh,
0: I don't think Strowman was even going to – was going to look for more of like a Zach Wheeler kind of deal. So that, that's the other name that's been brought up. The, the Blue Jays didn't sign Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler was guaranteed, I believe, $28 million more than than uh, Ryu. He's a couple of years – one year younger, a couple of years younger at the at least. But uh, Str- Strowman's going to get a Wheeler-type deal, unless the wheels come off this year, which they won't. I, I, I believe in Marcus Strowman, um, right. and it would be it nice if third, he was still here. 30,
1: $38 million, Thirty eight
0: million more. $38 million. So that, That's a lot of money. That's yeah. a big difference between Zach Wheeler, who does not have the same, I don't know, maybe you feel like Zach Wheeler has a higher uh, higher ceiling. Reus. up... Has been a better pitcher, and as you mentioned, Molly Knight has got like called him the most underrated pitcher of his generation, which is maybe a little on the hyperbole, but you know he's still very good. There's no getting around it. He had like a two thirty two era no, this he's year. He's amazing. He's yeah. amazing. He's a really just, good. He pitcher. He just has to stay gone. healthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, it's just exciting.
1: It's just it. It reminds me though. I like go, have, like going through his FanGraphs page. I was like getting flash like Brandon Morrow flashbacks, where it's like, well, you know. Okay, yeah, only 15 starts last year, but 29 this year and 24 like a, a couple years ago. That averages out to something and then oh right, yeah, he missed like two full years <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, kind of talking yourself into to uh health is a is a skill, know, that's, my, that's or my something, line. yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, but it, of course it is a bit of a skill. Uh so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, he was great this year. Like he was like truly genuinely great. Second fucking in the great. AL
0: in the in the NL Cy Young. <laughs> Like a really, yeah. really, really. He in the first half in particular, he was like absolutely unhittable. Like there was you couldn't score runs against him. Um, and again, he's not going to come out. He doesn't throw ninety nine miles an hour, but he gets people out. And and as the game evolves, and uh, the more guys that can really hit their spots and keep. Uh, hitters off balance that's a skill as well it's a skill you know maybe maybe that's the correction that's coming maybe that's the the foresight and vision uh because i'm doing eye goggles right now in my house and no one can see me it's a little bit weird but uh that's what it takes (laughs) is like maybe these these kind of guys these guys who are truly a cut uh, when you have demonstrated the ability to be a cut above at this at these very specific skills that are very difficult to acquire very difficult to develop. Because if anybody could, they would. If everyone could hide their pitches so well, if everyone could throw a super effective changeup with like incredible command, they would. But they don't, and they and they can't. So they didn't blow the Blue Jays, who we, uh, we've they're not less res, risk adverse because they took on a risky contract. They believe that this is a worth the risk. And if you don't believe that the Blue Jays front office is capable of making that kind of decision, well, then you're you're never going to be happy anyway. So get excited. Hell yeah. Get excited are you picking up the... Doing big numbers on the... Uh, what the 1K likes.
1: Woo. I mean, you know.
0: It's big for money. For
1: a niche Blue Jays tweet, that's not bad, I think. Hey,
0: I had a... I had, I've tweeted about the bat flip and my Twitter was useless for two full days today, this week. <laughs> it was awesome.
1: Yeah, well, that one... Yeah, that was a good, that was a good one.
0: Speaking of a good one, we had a good year. So let us move we'll kind of close the book on this big week and a half or so for the blue for blue jays fans Shanya yamaguchi who we didn't really talk about it. and and as we said before which you probably will never hear it's good that we didn't spend a lot of time on shan yamaguchi because unlike uh, hyunjin ryu we don't really know anything about him. we only know what we've read we would just be regurgitating something that ken rosenthal was quoting a scout or whatever uh i got nothing for you on shan yamaguchi who knows his role is undefined uh, all upside not a ton of dollars committed, similar to Travis Shaw. Those moves are great. They're doing. They're not doing nothing. So let us rejoice. And with that, let's go back in time to I believe it was this uh, June or July, or was it August? I might have I been think here at of the this house.
1: One of the J months.
0: Uh, with when we talked to Alex Anthopoulos, former Blue Jays general manager current president of baseball staff and general manager of the Atlanta Braves coming off a great season got some great exciting talent we talked to him and we talked to him about something that we've talked about a little bit here tonight already and that's risk so thank you everybody for tuning in all year long we've had a great season we are in your debt. we are so happy to be doing this and we are uh, going to keep on going on so well not only will we hear this clip from alex Anthopoulos, but on the other side of it you hear a little bit more from us and we'll cue up some other clips from this the first year of the athletic edition of birds all day the team your team atlanta this year has really benefited from some different kinds of low-risk signings that's of course dallas keichel getting him on a one-year deal and then josh donaldson um you know is is there a lot of opportunity given, you know, for you, someone who's looking to to, to plug holes, you have your a strong core in place. So when it comes looking in the offseason about how we're going to be able to get over the hump next year, do you think there's a lot of opportunity given all of the risk aversion in baseball right now? It just feels like there's a lot of uh, teams that are kind of counting their pennies a little bit and and they're hoping and looking forward to young players taking a big step forward. And then it leaves a big opportunity. Um, for teams like yours that are right there in those marginal wins, adding a, adding a guy like Donaldson who's coming in, he's got 35 home runs and someone to solidify your rotation. Um, uh, are those opportunities going to continue to be out there for the teams that might, uh, A, be more willing to take that risk and, B, might benefit from, from the, the, the benefit side of that risk equation?
2: You know, it's hard to say. I think those cases are so specific to them. I don't know that it's an indicator of the market. I mean, you just look at what happened to Donaldson he was going into 2018, obviously. A lot of talk about a big long-term extension. Even 2017, he had missed time. He still had a fantastic year, finished the season really strong. Uh, but, you know, 2018 was a lost year for him. Barely played. The numbers were what they were. He got to Cleveland. Didn't play a ton in September, and he wasn't playing every day. But when he did play, all the indicators were there. Everything was kind of back to where it was when he was an elite player. Now you don't have a draft pick attached. Um, You know, I think in talking to his representative and so on, he was looking to position himself for a long-term deal that he was in line for. So, um, I mean, we gave him the biggest one-year deal in the history of the game. And at the time, I mean, there was a lot of debate, and I understand it. I mean, but we don't get that type of talent. obviously, having seen him at his best and knowing the person and what he can bring when he's right, and the fact that he's willing to bet on himself, it gives you a lot of confidence as well. Um, that he knew he could be backing. Look, that tiny sample in Cleveland is—we put a ton of weight in, into that, and that's not ideal. You don't want to do that routinely, but that's really what we have to go on. And you have to take a little bit of risk over the course of the year. But you know, when we signed him, there was a lot of debate internally. We had johan Camargo, who was a three-win player last year for us, that played third, third base and can move around. Our number one prospect was Austin Riley, who was a third baseman and um you know really talented player and was going to be ready at some point during the year but just like we talked about we knew that over the course of six months something would occur and if Riley was playing that well and he was hitting that well we would find a spot for him and Chipper Jones ended up going to the outfield and other players have Yonder Alonzo when he came up Albert Pujols you find spots for guys so Riley got to the point that he was playing so well that we moved him to the outfield. You find at-bats for guys at the end of the day. And, you know, Camargo, we thought we would get him at-bats by giving Swanson a day off and all these a day off. He just didn't perform for us. So I think with Donaldson, Dallas Keuchel, the same way, he had a qualifying offer as well. Um, those were really unique opportunities. That I don't know that you can bank on those things occurring, um, you know, each year. I think the market is just it's, – it's a total unknown year in and year out. Everyone has – a various story and how they end up getting there. So there were there were definitely some big deals, some big signings and um, there have been over the last few years. But you know, as a front office, you're looking for those opportunities that you you have big upside, you know, especially with where we're at with our payroll and everything else. We need to be upside players. Mm-hmm.
0: You so you've done my work here for me. You I I've been building towards this question and you've almost you've got me right there, ready to ask it. Uh, given what you've known, given what's ch- what's changed in in the league, um, given that you know, as you said, the market's kind of an unknown. Um, uh, talking about risk, when you signed Jose Bautista to a five year extension, there was a ton of risk in that deal. Obviously, it worked out really, really well for for team and for player. Uh, do you think that a you could get that contract signed again today, or b would anybody sign a deal like that in the sort of less risk or more risk adverse world uh, of baseball in 2019
2: and 2020? You know, I I think when you look at the facts around that time, so it's easy in hindsight five or six years later to look at where salaries have gone and so on, but just looking back at, look, that was a negotiation. So we obviously started much lower and we ended up there. And I could tell you, we were dragged there. We did not, I mean, that literally, we were in the arbitration hearing room. That thing was this close to not getting done. Um, I think our drop dead number was $64 million and we had to go to 65 and it was in the form of, a, the million dollar buyout. So, um, you know, that was ultimately, we closed it, but we were that close to getting it done. But when we got it done, we were happy we got it done, but we didn't project him to be what he became. We thought he was a good player, good on base skills, took care of himself, body, could play multiple positions if we needed him to, um, I was worried about his age. I was worried about his age at the time. And I remember just, that was my biggest hang up on the length of the deal. Um, and I remember just before we finalized that they had come to us with a counter of, I think it was a four-year deal, but a much higher AV. And at that point, obviously we were prepared to do the five. But I remember when he got back from his application hearing and we were sitting in my office and I said, man, five, I told him, "I you say, face, I said, five years and he said, what are you worried about? You see this body? You see how I take care of myself? Like he was so <laughs> confident about it, and I'm like, look, it's done. I'm not, I can't go back on this thing, and I've told this story before. I remember just driving at the Needham Complex two or three days later, and it was a little bit like, wow, what did we, did we just do? You know, we were happy to have him, but that felt like a significant deal, and the comps at the time were Dan Ugla had signed an extension, and he was a great player, great power hitter uh, with the Braves, um, and Adrian Beltre was the other comp at, at, at the time. You know He had basically run out. He had that big year with the Red Sox. He signed that huge deal with um, the Rangers. And I believe the deal for, was for about $16 million AAV as a pure free agent. So Jose's free agent years, we valued them off of one year when it was an unbelievable year. But Adrian Beltre, great track record, great career. Parlay as a pure free agent. Jose's a year away. There's still that unknown if he's going to repeat it. Got $14 million AAV on his free agent years, and Adrian Beltre got 16. So we by no means felt like we were getting some unbelievable deal. Adrian Beltre was an elite defender, great leader. There was a lot of great qualities to him, and he clearly went to the highest bid because the word was that the Angels you know, came in below that number. So we did not feel like um, – that was a you know a contract that we just felt like it was a contract we needed to do. We had a decision to make on him. We had one year of control, and really that was the turning point for the organization because we had explored trading him that off season. We didn't. Our first conversation with him on extension was the worst deal, which was 126 million dollars, which was a complete non-starter for us. And once we had that number, we at least explored trades. We never felt there was proper value back in trade, so we were prepared to go into the year. Um, with potentially trading him come July and, unless we could get a deal done. So um, I think in, in the framework of that, being compared to top free agents, I think, I, I think he made the right – I know ultimately it worked out for, for us, but I, certainly it certainly worked out for him too. There was certainly risk. You look at Wells. Um, if he had to sign it he was a year for free agency, if he had not signed that deal, who knows what would have happened to him. So he stayed healthy. It worked out. But I do think it was market value at the time, and even beyond, considering he'd only had one year.
0: So we'll take that as a note that it's not getting done today. <laughs> oh, it's uh, getting
2: done. No, I think it is getting done. To, not those dollars, clearly. No, no. I think mm-hmm. if the climate is we're taking a top free agent and we're lowering the AAV by 10% of that top free agent and we're rewarding him after one year of 10% less of that top free agent AAV, I think we're getting the deal, deal done again. And, I, and we really went to our choke point. We were not going to go a penny above that. I remember getting a ton of phone calls from agents like, have you lost your mind? I remember, um, you know, uh, some of the guys in the office were listening to MLB Network Radio, and we were getting crushed. And, um, you know, and at the time, I remember even to the extent where I think there was even, you know, talk concerning, like, did we, you know, did we make a mistake? Not, not from our standpoint, but even organizationally and at the ownership level. Like, there was a lot of criticism for that deal, and it was fair. I mean, we did not walk away feeling that was a great deal. It worked out for us.
0: Obviously, that was... Uh Again, some some new stuff, some interesting stuff that we've talked about a few times since we conducted this interview. But the one thing I keep coming back to when I think about um, what Alex and told us in that in that moment, and then while we're reliving it now, is uh, is just how different the trajectory of the entire franchise would be if that deal doesn't get done. And and. You know, you it's 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 all it's different than it's than a trade because it's not like an either or. It's not like a what would have happened if the Blue Jays had kept X instead of trading for Y, uh, which you could maybe play with the Josh Donaldson situation as as which he also spoke about, um, which is to say that the team would have been significantly, massively worse. Never none of this stuff ever would have happened if they well if the Blue Jays didn't pull the trigger and, and had stuck with Brett Laurie and Sean Nolan and Franklin Socrates no Franklin Beretta. Uh, there you go. They would be, they would be worse. I, nothing would have, nothing would have happened. But just the, the, the Bautista situation is, you wouldn't even have gotten to that point because without Jose Bautista, God only knows what they were. They would have been and what would have happened over the the decade. Uh, quite literally, this is 19, literally, 19, yeah. 2019 coming to an end. Of the end of the decade that is, is is for better or worse, for better defined by Jose Bautista. Absolutely. So, let's move on to a clip with Ross Atkins. And what I want uh, everybody to do is, um, so when we when we were when we talked about this before, something you won't hear, we talked about the contrast between um, Ross Atkins when he's given time and space to to speak and to really kind of let his mind run. Because again, I. I maybe i'm a homer or whatever he's definitely like a smart incredibly passionate guy and that's the one thing that comes through in this clip a lot is the passion but think about what again if, if it reframes your idea of risk around the re signing when you think about the way that uh Roth Atkins discusses player evaluation and not having all the pieces. Um, and again, you knowing what we know about the front office and how they value leadership and how they value, you know, being the guy and being the guy who's making the most money in the team and what that means and 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 how and when they would have done that homework and kind of arrived at that risk-benefit analysis to then pull the trigger and done the things that we want asked or that need to be done to get a free agent to come to Toronto, which is Give him a little bit more money. Give him an extra year, whatever it might be. So I think that might be an interesting framing device. I don't know, Stodden. What do you think about about uh, uh, sort of almost resetting the the slate, kind of wiping the slate clean for for Ross Atkins now that the Jays have kind of made this big signing and some of the animosity might have faded <laughs> and or trickled or disappeared for now.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's probably going to be true for a lot of people, but also for not not for. Not for everybody. I think they're you know the slate uh is still quite dirty, I feel, for a lot of uh uh people. Who's to say? Whether it's piss that it's covered in or uh <laughs> uh or, or or genuine uh just genuine Blue Jays related filth. But none, nonetheless, yeah, I think there's still some people who are, are waiting for them to show results rather than just, you know, uh a big signing. But yeah, it's uh it it, it is interesting to hear him speak and like you say, in a, in an environment where uh, he can really take a run at something and isn't, like, getting pressed and, and, and within time constraints or in a scrum or whatever. Because mm-hmm. uh, his answers are really thoughtful and you understand real quickly, I feel, like, you know, why this is a guy who's in the job that he's in. Uh, even though, you know, people who don't have the privilege of the, that we would, you know, to go in and, like, sit down with him or have him on the phone uh, – you know, I understandably look at the shitty team that he runs and are, mm-hmm. are, are a little more skeptical.
0: All right. Exactly. So here is uh, Sotan and I from earlier in the summer speaking with Ro- Blue Jays general manager, Ross Atkins.
3: The actual acquisition, there's always going to be. And when, you, when you're trading for players, uh, you don't always have all of the access to getting to know a player as much as you would when you're acquiring an amateur. Mm-hmm. and or an international free agent where you can spend a lot of time years and getting to know family getting you know coaches and you know if we are you know it, it it is a slippery slope on how much you're digging and obviously we do a lot of work on when we're acquiring Randall Gritchick what type of, type of teammate we're going to get and we're acquiring Billy McKinney and and Brandon Drew what kind of teammate but the other the other thing to mention is alternatives. So it's not your pick of the litter. It's not just whoever you want, you go get, you're taking the best deal available for Jay Happ at that time, the best deal available for Dominic Leon, a reliever to get an everyday outfielder, Randall Gritchick at the time. So we view those as still good value plays. And over time, it's getting many of those decisions on the margins, right? and killing deals and and absolutely blowing, you know, the socks off a deal, those those so few and far between happen. They rarely do happen anymore. And it's really about just acquiring as much talent with as much information as you possibly can. And then now pointing to putting them in a good system. So I, I, I don't want to discredit that we are not just a talent grab. It's not that it's not just, okay, we'll take any talent that we can get. We do all the work possible that we possibly can to know everything in in anything we can. But the difference in hiring in acquiring an amateur to a professional when you have the nuanced information like uh, you know, how they interact with a sports psychologist, what their vision scores are today before you're yeah. acquiring that player, exactly what their, you know, all of the nuances to them as a teammate and how they learn and how they grow. You may have some of that on Randall Gritchik from when he was in high school, but it's hard to really gather all the details and subtleties of that. We're glad we have all those players that, that we've just that I've just talked about in Randall Gritchik, Brandon Drury and Billy McKinney, and we'll see what happens. I think Randall Gritchick is a really, really interesting player because of his raw power, the exit velocity, the defensive versatility. He has the great run t- he has a solid run tool, a solid arm tool and has been, has had a good track record of hitting. He's gotten off to a tough start, especially tough start last year, and was able to turn it on and have an incredible second half. He's trying to make an incre- a, a very difficult adjustment right now to be a more disciplined hitter, and we're really encouraged by that, that he is trying to do that wholeheartedly. And if that does click, if he becomes a, you know, we we don't, we never just, say that a player is who he is and he's going to be what he is. And that's kind of back to the individualized approach. So I, I do think when you are talking about making a player's skills better, you have to individualize it. You have to think about, okay, how is this athlete built? What is it about the body that allows certain things to occur or not occur? And how can we improve this and help this individual improve? Because you don't, I believe this wholeheartedly, you don't develop players. You create an environment where players develop and individualizing that is the only way to do it because you create, in our, in our view, in our connection and to do it well, and it's, it's, it's to it, now there are other ways to do it, but to, in our view, it is the, the, the best choice um and individualizing it means that you're going to put the player in the center of all the resources that you have and uh, and help guide them to the most appropriate resources for them so for Nate Pearson with us he is a big strong physical individual that we don't have to focus much on power and strength do we need to focus a little bit on mobility for him but you know really the guy is pretty agile and mobile and it got it's so advanced that we got to the point where we were focused on really just pitch development with him, and he has tapped into the the edutronic, uh, the, the Rapso information, the, all the electronics that have come into the game in a really assertive way and really driven that process. But that doesn't—that's not going to be the route for everyone. For some players, it's going to be about the power and the mobility and creating that foundation and base so that. We can get more out of the shape of their slider that they already do have. So, uh, and, and look, listen, I could keep going for 30 minutes on that topic right there. I don't want to go too much on it. But the one thing that I don't want to be missed is we we talk a lot about culture here. We talk a lot about environment and, and here, and it, it's not... It's not just words. It means something so much to us because we feel as though that it's not just about culture. It isn't just about environment that is going to create something special. You have to have all of the resources. You have to be evolving and you have to be you have to have the elite people in place to create that environment. There's an incredible book. It's called The Captain's Class. It's written by a journalist, I think his name is Sam Walker. And it, it, it's it's about what why great teams exist, and it is people. It it really comes down to if your best players are also your best people, you have a chance to do something exceptional because you're raising standards. So that's why we talk about culture. It, it, It isn't just because we want a lot of people to like each other. It's we want people raising standards and continuing to set the bar, continuing to have the curiosity and the passion for greatness that that that's why exceptional things happen and if you look to the you know the, the the book and the some of the teams it talks about are the the Montreal Canadiens, San Antonio Spurs, the Boston Celtics when they had Bill Russell, the Spurs when they had Tim Duncan and Maurice Richard when Montreal Canadiens and these these individuals that were their best players were also their best person. And that doesn't mean that they're just incredible people off the field it means they're driving they're driving incredible passion and curiosity to be elite, to be at the top and that's what we're talking about when we talk about culture and environment so it's it, it's all of those things happening in the acquisition process the individualized development and then having an environment where you know hopefully one day we feel like we do have the pieces and we're trying to develop that all of those things that we're talking about as they're coming up that one day we're going to have that type of player and that type of person that's leading our environment here in Toronto.
0: All right. So again, that was Mark uh, Ross Atkins, Blue Jays general manager. And I think that this clip with Atkins sort of goes into uh, the next clip with Mark Shapiro, which is, it is all, it's related to player development and signing free agents is very much unlike the player development model that the Blue Jays have invested so much in. As you'll hear Mark Shapiro described and he talks about um, you know the desire to be able to give players the tools to to really become their best and um, we, you know we've talked obviously about Hyunjin Ryu being a, a big one and, and that's sort of like a short not a shortcut but a fast track to having good players is just paying the money to come and be good players on your team but with the Travis Shaw's and Hope Brandon Drury's and all these guys a sort of collection of of uh, middling-ish, not middling talents, but guys who have obvious skill but have never been able to put it together. Um, player development-wise, from what Atkins says and what you're going to hear Shapiro say, that's the next phase. That's the thing that's also going to really help. And if it's a player like Chase Anderson who they, you know, people talk about they've identified, they really like his curveball or they like the spin rate on this or that, you know, if they can take those skills and then build them into a highly effective or high, a player with a high, you know, output to cost acquisition cost ratio whatever um that's a how also how you build a good team though right you need those kinds of players you need those kinds of guys to come up out of nowhere the dodgers the reused former team guys like chris taylor that really made themselves into something max muncie um huge valuable contributors that didn't cost the team anything to get and uh you know did all that great work on their own so uh the one thing another thing uh, it's related, and it's not really related, but it's something that I saw this week when that was uh, Colin McHugh, who is, uh, I think he's still with the Astros, um, he talked about the value of veterans, and the Jays, not only were the Jays bad this year, but for the large they were really young, especially after Strowman was gone, and then uh, uh, even like Edmund Jackson, a guy like him. Uh, they're a really young team, but veterans matter, veterans help. And and uh, Colin McHugh talked about when he he was on those truly awful Astros teams that lost hundred games every year. But the Astros went outside and Scott Feldman. And he, McHugh on Twitter to somebody, might have been like Jeff Tassin or whatever, he said that those there's no, the val those val, those veterans having those guys next to you in the locker room, or whatever, is uh, really really important and really valuable so I don't know if that's the expectation with with Hyunjin Ryu and I, I think again it comes back to if the Blue Jays talked about, they talk so much about culture and wanting to get to know these guys and knowing if they have these characteristics um and again to be the man to be the guy who makes 20 million bucks a year and the richest guy in the room there are those expectations and uh I, I assume that the Blue Jays think that he's up to the task
1: yeah, and and I think that you know we're going to hear a little bit uh, from Mark Shapiro in the next clip about what they've done in Dunedin, and I think that's sort of a big hub for them in terms of you know when he he talks about, uh, I remember him saying about how you know getting the like the 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 players all together in the same room and the the minor leaguers and major leaguers and having the weight room mm-hmm. that you know everybody can use instead of having to do it in shifts and and it's also sort of the lab where you know the player development stuff can happen and they you know look at the uh you know look at the Rap Soto and the track man and they you know are are out there able to identify things in other teams players as well and uh and, and so it all sort of folds in on on uh all those things fold in onto uh, each other. Uh and yeah you kind of hope that I saw somebody, I forget who and I wish I could remember tweeting about, you know, you'd love to see Ryu show you know Ryan Barucki and and and, uh, and and some of the lefties that the the Jays have picked up, Anthony Kay. Like what it's, you know, what uh, being a successful left-hander is is uh, what it takes, and what you know, helping with their change-up grip and and all those kind of things that, like you say, uh, uh, Colin McHugh was talking about.
0: <laughs> There's also a good quote that I saw. Because apparently, so I, I don't know if Molly Knight touched on this in the in the piece or in the tweets that you were mentioning before, but uh, about uh, Hyunjin Ryu being like really kind of funny and really like a like an affable kind of guy. Cause he's talking about, he, he again, he's not like a chiseled piece of, you know, cut from granite sort of prototype athlete. He's talking about the other guys on his team working too hard because they had some running drill they had to do. And he was like, the right. the, co- the trainers said, dude, they gave us 35 seconds to do. It. And he's like, the other guys are doing it 23, 25. They told us to do it in 35. I did it in 35. Like, what the hell do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully some of that hustle will will wear off yeah. <laughs> on the young players. But anyway, that's it. So uh, yeah. And here, as we discussed, is a, is a clip from our conversation with Mark Shapiro. There's no better way to... Uh increase the number of your own guys then to develop them and i know we were talking about it before we started recording and it's a big um point of pride i think for yourself is the the changes that are going on in dunedin um uh, just how much of a difference you think this is going to make i mean maybe not necessarily quantify it but but how is it going to change the way that this organization develops players having a state-of-the-art facility with um just the full you know Complement of options in terms of physical development and 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 mental development and whatever else that that you have envisioned coming out of that facility.
4: Well, I think as we've kind of witnessed, certainly one of the teams playing, two teams playing the World Series right now, Houston, and some of the rise of other teams like the Dodgers and um, the Cubs and Tampa and and the Indians and some of the other teams that are winning most consistently right now. What you're seeing is the bulk of money and resources is being put into player development. It's the one area where there are no controls and no limits to what you can do. Um, It's the one area where we were probably slowest to evolve as a game. You know, the the model when I first was a farm director is throw the bats and balls out in the field and the cream will rise to the top. And so we're just ultimately playing. We're providing a forum for our players to play. And the best players get there, which is a fact, by the way. And then we started to realize, well, if we can develop the other aspects of the player, maybe not just the fundamental, but the mental and physical side of that player with strength and conditioning, with mental performance, you know, some of those things, that was the next step. You know, we committed more resources in those areas. We built the first weight room, strength and conditioning staff. We hired the first mental performance coaches um, and we started to close to, to establish competitive advantages and to maximize performance with that. And now it's technology and analytics, and we see players, you know, that are going throwing a pitch and going back and saying, "What was the spin rate of that pitch?" and How do I manipulate the spin rate? And thinking about that, and looking at their uh, an edgertronics you know, motion capture video, and kind of saying, "Okay, where was I at when my foot at foot plant there? Where was my arm?" and thinking about their delivery, and we look at hitters thinking about launch angles, and you know, there's a lot of information out there. So I think a, a facility that has the infrastructure facility that has, you know, the skeleton to not just support that technology and the analysis, but foster a collaborative development environment where staff and front office and players are all collaborating and working together to help maximize that player's potential. Design and space has a big part of that. Uh, And then finally, getting our major leaguers and minor leaguers together. We've been kind of segregated, you know, for lack of a better word, like completely. Like the way spring training is conducted, the way we train, the way we socialize. There's not a lot of opportunity for our major league players to model. There's not a lot of opportunity for our major and minor league staff to interact. Um, So we talked about it before we went on air, Andrew, like the ability to kind of establish an identity. What do we stand for? Like when things get tough, when things get bad... What does a Blue Jay player stand for? That identity was kind of more fractured, right? Because the major leagues were practicing, you know, 10 kilometers away from the minor leagues. And that doesn't sound very far. It was a world apart. No one gets in the car and makes that drive very frequently. And so now we'll all be in one place with the best space humanly possible, whether it's feeding our players, whether it's just providing an atmosphere for relaxing or whether it's informal socialization, whether it's strength and conditioning, hitting, pitching, We'll have labs, sports science labs, everything, you, you know, ability to kind of sit in a room and have a hitting collaboration space, you know, where players can come in, watch video, talk to a hitting coach, talk to each other. I think all those things we've been, there was a lot of intent and a lot of thought given to every square foot of that building and how we, and then thinking about how we use it.
0: All right. So, yeah, that was, uh, again, the passion really, really comes through, um, you know, when we when we posted this episode we really we kind of did this then we did a bit of like a post um, post mortem I guess you could say or just we sort of went over it you and I so I don't think we need we don't need to spend too much time here doing that why don't we go to another clip of us you know again we talked about being marks about being soft about arguing in good faith But we're hard-hitting guys too we put this feet to the fire so <laughs> so let's listen to what it's the birds all day alternative version of of asking tough questions, which are not really tough. But here's that clip.
1: And speaking, going kind of going back to the Blue Jays, uh, we were talking off air. I was talking about how you were on the At the Letters podcast with uh Ben and Arden, and you were talking about um just putting together a winning team and doing everything that you can to win, and you said about uh that that all teams good teams would the ideal team i guess you want to have young players you want to have guys in their prime you want to have veteran players yeah uh where are the guys in their prime coming from? From are we waiting till are we waiting till Bo's prime? Yeah, like that what, is like like
4: what 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 are what are what are we doing here? Well, there's two <laughs> there's two two ways that can happen. One is that our our younger players will ultimately two to three years in, they'll be in their prime. I mean, that's you know that's it, kind that of, gets
1: younger every year. Yeah, that gets
4: younger two, yeah. every year. And the second is you know the second and third is trades and free agency. So those we'll look at all three opportunities. You know, those are the. There are four basic ways to kind of sure. get that talent, you know, And but the, the other two would be trades and free agency. I think, and this is something I, I think I cover with those guys, and I think you'll understand, but one of the hardest things that we've, we're going through right now is um, it's easy for fans that are emotionally impacted and harder for us because we still get emotionally impacted to say, okay, this guy's not a guy. We've seen 150. We've seen 200. We've seen even 400 plate appearances, and that we're going to make a decision that, oh, he can't play defense. You know, instead of thinking deeper inside, is there something, is there a reason for that? Was he able at any point in his career to be a good defender? Was there a reason, is there a physical or fun or a uh, genetic reason to believe he can't play a good defender? Are we giving up on that? Um, so it's that there is a very careful kind of when do you make that decision to walk away from guys and just supplant them with outside guys that may have a lower ceiling, um, but can give you more certainty now? Um, and so we need to be careful to walk away from some of the guys we feel like have ceiling and to, and to commit and to be as we start to kind of allocate playing time even though we know that may put us on a little slower trajectory to winning. So they'll come. Um, I think you'll see some of those guys this offseason, but you're going to continue to see more and more uh, as we get closer and closer to being a contending team. We kind of went from, I think we went from rebuilding to competing last year. I think that we can look at that both subjectively and objectively in the second half of the year. We were competing, clearly, and winning more, but definitely competing. Now we need to go from competing to winning. And then winning the contending is probably the hardest thing to do, especially in this division. Like those are the those are the four major steps. We were in a clear rebuilding state. Then we started competing a lot more, and our guys believe how good they are. Now we need to move from competing to winning. You know, we need to start winning more. And then once we start winning more, whether that's five get to five hundred or a little over, then you need to start to go from winning to contending. And that's a, you know those are each steps along the way
0: you got Ben Charrington on the staff and I think he's a great example of, of where I'm going to go with this next question where do you think that the within the organization now you have the people to make that shift yeah. uh, you know very process driven you know been building up the organization building up organizational talent you know in the front office and and, and putting all of these pieces in play do you f- you feel confident you feel good that the the guys you've got your guys and girls and everyone you've got here uh, are ready to, to will be ready to go when it comes time to that to, to, to finally uh, not not necessarily break out from the process, but, but look and say, now we have a, a, for now, for 2021 or 2022, whenever it might be, we have a more tangible goal in mind. Yeah. Um, you feel good and you feel ready to be um, able to kind of, so know, throw this. So maybe
4: help me, like, what are the example Like, what are you, obviously, you're contrasting that with someplace else. Well, so, so like, mean?
0: so Ben was put, put some great systems together in Boston, for yeah. example, uh, and, and, you know, developed a lot of really and won a world championship. Won a yeah. world championship, and then but then you know Boston's ownership seems to be a little bit more. I don't know, maybe fickle is the <laughs> word. They've been through quite a bit in the front office in terms of general managers right. and managers. Uh, so they brought in you know a, maybe a more wizened baseball guy who maybe wasn't as. Uh, precious with some of the prospect capital that he had and was able to go and and execute some big moves you know use the financial flexibility use some of that you know the Juan mancado cut was a huge acquisition cost for them for boston but then they were able to move him for a, a championship piece in chris sale do you feel confident that when that time comes here in toronto you'll be able you and the team will be able to to make those tough decisions about you know looking beyond the the bigger picture and saying oh, we have a tangible goal. We're gonna we want to win the World Series.
4: This yeah, year next. I mean that's our goal. That's our mission is to bring World Championships to Canada. You know, so I don't. I think every single person, regardless of the of where they work in the organization, whether they're a rookie ball trainer, you know, a major league intern or the assistant GM, every single human being wakes up every day thinking, "How do we win a World Series?" None of us are in this just to keep a job. You know, I think if you're doing that. You know, it's something's wrong with you. I mean, you're driven to try to win a world championship. So there's people here that, you know, were part of lunging and doing some bold things like Joe Sheehan and Tony LaCava and Andrew Tennish, and they were all leaders and a big part of what happened here in 15. I think the only point of differentiation would be we want to try to do it in a sustainable way, we want to try to do it in a way where, we are, our bites at the apple, you know, are not just two years, um, or maybe three if we have been able to extend it, but that we have like six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of kind of, Hey, we're gonna be in the mix for you know, postseason every single year. Every single year we leave spring training, we have an objective reason to believe that we have we're gonna be in contention. Now things happen over the year that you can't expect. Injuries happen, things might not always but we leave spring training and objectively say, We're gonna contend this year. And so that's what we're working towards. Um, you know, there there are different opportunities to kind of take the next step and do some bold things, but the boldest thing's just winning, you know, I think we're We're doing the toughest thing, which was having to make some very tough, unpopular decisions that don't necessarily get understood in the short term to try to do something really positive in the long term.
0: All right. So I think that's about it. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for for sticking with us, for joining us here at The Athletic. Uh, We've had a great year. We're looking forward to to more great stuff in the new year. We're going to keep cranking them out here through the offseason. We've got some fun ideas we're going to try um before spring training and and just uh, uh really uh just keep going just keep doing what we do i think if if there was a, a favorite episode maybe that that you heard this year don't be afraid to shout us out and and let us know what it was maybe we can uh we can do another clip show i'm not afraid to uh to really like lean on the archives a little bit so we could talk about uh, uh i don't know are there any ones that we didn't i mean we we were heavy up on you know interviews and executives and stuff are there any chats that we had this year that kind of stick out in your mind uh, stoughton
1: uh, you know they're they're like my children right like, i mean i think they were all of them equally No, i think we had i mean caitlin was always a pleasure i like I, I think shy was great when we had him mm-hmm. on uh, i personally enjoyed wilner uh you know now i'm gonna forget somebody i mean obviously having the zoobs on was always a blast um but yeah no i, I it, it's been a good year and, and we mm-hmm. you know we went back to guests which i think is something that anybody who's listened to us for a long time uh hopefully they appreciate because for a long time it was just just you and I yammering at each other, and it's it's kind of nice that we still have kept that aspect of it, but uh, but actually get some other interesting folks uh, giving their thoughts on the Blue Jays and uh, how dreadfully terrible they are.
0: <laughs> some would say that the other the folks we talked to are more more interesting than than you and I, which is uh, which is I good for the show am. and uh, and, and myself, good for yeah. the humility as well. Uh, one that sticks out for me, obviously, was the Scott MacArthur show. I loved having Scotty Mac on um it was so mm-hmm. i you know really appreciate him uh, coming on and and again speaking about something that wasn't necessarily the most related to baseball but uh it was a great chat and and that was when we got a lot of feedback on um, I always like talking to Alexis Prudniki. She's a she's a uh, a great reporter and uh, mm. a really fun person to talk to. If you again, so if you have an episode that you liked or a clip that you that, that sticks out, if you're listening, uh, let us know. Hit us up. You can hit us on Twitter. You can f- uh, follow us on Facebook.com/slash uh, Birds All Day. Uh, that just sort of sits there, but doesn't mean you can't reach out and find us over there. Uh, but that's about it. So that's going to be it for the 2019. Stoughton, thank you so much. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for uh, for carrying the show in all the ways that uh, that you do that are unspoken and, 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 rarely spoken of, but I couldn't, I'd be nothing. Because that's
1: unnecessary stuff. because you're out here carrying the show and, and thank you for it. And, uh, it's been a wonderful year and, uh, looking forward to doing it more and hopefully the damn team, uh, being worth watching. It sure if is a not lot but, next year, the year after that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like,
0: geez, it is Christ. a lot of fun talking about a team that's good, uh, more so than a team that's struggling. So, so, here's to uh, another great 2020. So, for Andrew Stoughton, <laughs> another great year in 2020. For Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Fair Service. We'll talk to you in the new year on Birds All Day.